Okay, Tov, good morning. I want to thank Red and Jeff Baum, who have uh, been sponsoring this month of our Living with Amuna in memory of her beloved grandmother, Rachel Bas Avram Usher, who's Neshama Shalev and Aliyah. Thank you for the sponsorship through this month. If you'd like to sponsor the series for the year or future classes, please feel free to speak to uh, Matthew, Linda, or Lee, anyone in the office. We are continuing and hopefully finishing today the uh, Vad Bays, this current essay we're learning in Revolba's the idea that we're only alive if we're living with Emunah. We spoke about that in the Parsha Shir a little bit yesterday. The uh, Sefer Dvarim, in every Parsha, almost every Parsha in Sefer Dvarim, we use the language of Laman Tichyu, Laman Yichyu, Vachai, that if we want to really be alive, not only measured physiologically, anatomically, not only to be alive with a pulse, not only to be alive with a respiratory, um, our respiratory system working, but to really be alive which is to be fulfilling the purpose of life. To be alive is not just to have a pulse. To be alive is to fulfill the reason that we're here. And for our life to be shaped and molded by Torah and mitzvot, to find meaning and purpose and fulfillment, is to be pursuing our mission in this world, the mission of self-actualization, self-perfection, to realize our potential, and to understand why we're here, what we're meant to accomplish, and then to go out and to go and do it. So Yichya, how do we do that? Be'emunasa, with emuna. If you think there is no God, you live a life where it's all about you, and that the moment life ends, that's it. There's no afterlife, there's nowhere to go from there, that our memory and our influence and our impact ceases and ends. All there is is the here and now. I can't imagine such a life. I can't imagine such a life. But rather, we, be'emunaso we find life, our life is informed and inspired by the idea of be'emunaso. It's through our emuna that we're alive. Which also means that when we confront challenges and hardship and suffering, when we have financial crisis, when we have a crisis in our relationships, when we're concerned and we're losing faith about our children's future, when we are worried about health, how do we find life? How do we find a will to live? How do we find strength and support? It's through Amuna that we live. When we lean on and lean into Hashem, that's when we have the serenity and that's when we have the peace of mind to know that whatever we're going through, Somehow, somehow it makes sense and somehow it's for a reason. So we're on the top of page Chav Zayin. We are towards the end of this uh, essay of Revolba. And we last left off and he was talking about that when a person wants to increase or promote their amuna, we want to live with more faith. We've been talking about over and over that faith is not a philosophy. Faith is not an ideology. Faith is not a course you take or evidence that you evaluate or proof that you examine. Faith is a midah, it's a quality, it's a character trait. Faith is a muscle. When you use it, it grows and it expands and it's healthy. And if you ignore it and neglect it, it atrophies and it dies. So if when you're confronted with moments of worry, of fear, of envy, of anger, and you catch yourself and you stop yourself and you say, you know, I don't know what I'm worried about, I don't know why I'm angry, I don't know what I'm envious of, everything is from Hashem. There's a reason, there's a plan, it's happening. Both in the bad times and the good times. You're able to say thank you and live with joy. And we'll talk about that this morning, this notion of finding Hashem in the good times and giving Him credit then as well. But a person who lives with that emuna. So in order to achieve such a lifestyle, it's not enough to set out with the goal. I want to live with emuna. I'm going to have faith in my life. I'm going to see Hashem in everything. I'm going to see Hashem in everything. You have to also know what are the obstacles, what are the pitfalls, what are the challenges? Where do I go wrong? If I don't get enough sleep and I'm on edge, 
and I'm tired and I'm anxious, it's hard for me to remember that there's a plan and that Hashem is in charge. If I don't eat right, it's hard for me to remember. If I'm around certain people or if I'm around certain circumstances, it brings out the worst in me, not the best in me. So it's not enough, says Revolba, to identify what is the life I want to live. And this is true not just about Amuna. The Ramcham, Asilas Hashem, identifies this about every quality and about every, every um, positive attribute in life. That it's not enough to just identify and say, that's how I want to live. One also has to say, what are the pitfalls? What's going to knock me off course? What's going to get me in trouble? I'm, I'm probably not speaking to the biggest group of golfers here, but for anyone who plays golf, when you stand on the tee, you say, well, there's the hole, and I want my little ball to go home to that little hole. So you can either just take a driver, your biggest club, and grip it and rip it and try to get it there. You can end up in the lake. You can end up in the sand. You can end up in the woods. You can end up in the... Or you put course management, which says, well, let's see, that's where I want to go. That's the green. There's the hole. Here's my little ball. I want it to go home in the hole. But trying to get it there, there's a bunch of sand traps. There's a bunch of water. There's some rough. There's, so you know what? Here's how I take them out of play. Here's how I'm going to manage this hole. I'm going to use this club. I'm going to aim for this distance. I'm going to swing this way. So that's a metaphor that maybe you don't appreciate, but a metaphor for life. <laughs> but a metaphor for life that... There are people in life who have the grip it and rip it mentality. They wake up every day and they grip it and rip it. And that's just me. I live life and I'm boisterous and I go for it. And you know what? They fall flat on their face. Fall flat on their face with the Yetzirah. Give in to anger and give in to envy and sabotage relationships and destroy happiness and well-being and ruin one's own health because they're just gripping it and ripping it. Or you could live life and say, okay, here's the hole. Here's who I want to be. Here are a lot of obstacles on the way. Here are the sand traps and the water and the rough in my life. And here's how I'm going to navigate around them. I know when I'm around these people, it makes me feel this way. I'm therefore going to be careful. I know that when I do this, it does this. So that's what the Ramchal in Mesil Hashem calls Zihirus. Mindfulness, vigilance, caution. And that precedes Zrizus. First, you have to know what's going to knock me off course. And then you could say, how am I going to get to my goal? But if all you want to do in life is pursue your goals and you don't keep in mind what's going to knock you off course, you'll never get there. You'll never get there. Eating is a very simple example. You wake up and you say, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle change. I'm never eating that garbage again, carbs and cake and potato chips, and I'm done. I'm never eating it again. And then what happens? You're invited to the simcha and you skipped breakfast and you skipped lunch and you're starving and you get to the shmorg and you say, you know, I didn't really eat so much today. It's okay. I can have this and that and the other thing. Why? Because you went into a situation and you didn't say, you know, whenever I go to a wedding and I'm hungry, whenever I go shopping and I haven't eaten lunch first, I buy junk and garbage and terrible stuff. So you have to know what are the pitfalls, what's going to hold you back, and how do you navigate around them. So Revolba says one of these areas, maybe more than any, when it comes to Amuna, the biggest obstacle that's going to challenge, that's going to get in our way is gaiva, arrogance, arrogance. When we put ourselves, our ego, our self-centeredness, our honor, when it comes first, there's not enough room for us and God. Not enough room for us and God. And if a person wants to find Hashem in their lives, wants to live with Amuna and get all the benefits of living with Amuna, emotional health, physical health, spiritual health, peace, serenity, relationships improved, enormous benefits. But if you want it, it means sublimating your ego. It means checking your ego at the door. It's actually this week's Parsha. The Torah tells us that when we conquer Eretz Yisrael, we have to purge the Avodah of the idolatry. And, some of the, and it says, don't ever bring the idolatry into your home. And some of the uh, commentaries say the idolatry that we're 
enjoined not to bring it to our home is a sense of arrogance. If you walk through that front door with an attitude of arrogance, my way or the highway, the way I see it, everyone's got to fall in line, I'm the authority, I'm the dictator in this home, it's what I want all the time, then you're not going to have peace in your home. You're not going to have meaningful relationships, and therefore you're not going to have health or happiness. person has to check their ego at the door if they want any relationship in life. Certainly if one wants a relationship with Hashem, you've got to get rid of the gaiva. So that permeates all of our Jewish living. It reinforces an attitude of humility to say, of course I take a pride in who I am and I'm trying to be the best person I can be, but it's not always about me. It's not always about me. I make room for Hashem. Ha'inyan, we're on the top of page Chavzayin. Ha'inyan mudgash ba'arba ha'chrichos sh'ayodam ha'spala machnias atzmothnei ha'borei. In our davening, in the Shemona Esrei that we recite, we bow. And why are we bowing? We're loosening our hamstrings, we're stretching, we're doing some calisthenics. No, that's just a side benefit. Why are we bowing in davening? Because through that posture and through that gesture, we are communicating, not to anyone other than ourselves, a sense of hachna'a, we're machnia, which means we're living with a sense of humility. We're subjugating, we're sublimating, we are submitting ourselves. So here's the proper way to bow. People don't bow properly. The Gemara Brachas tells us how. It's recorded in the Shulchan Aruch. Sometimes we bow first with our knees, then the waist. Other times we bow at the waist. But, you know, too many people are, are not bowing correctly. The halacha is that you bow at Baruch Atah and at Hashem you straighten up. When you say Hashem's name, God's name, when we think about with awe and reverence, Hashem, His power, His, His omnipotence, a person has to stand erect. You have to stand with honor and with dignity opposite Hashem. So you bow, Baruch, when you bend at the knees, Atah, at the waist, and you stand up. The Gemara says like a snake. First your head comes up and then the rest of your back. So too many people don't fully bow. They don't come up correctly. You go very fast. They don't go slowly. They're bowing throughout the whole thing. There's a proper, and there's a reason. And listen to what Revolba says. It's such a beautiful imagery. Never say Shema Esra the same way again because this imagery is so powerful. One of the Birchas Hashachar that we say in the morning, one of the 15 uh, blessings that start our day, which is a series of expressing gratitude, an attitude of gratitude to start our day. You can go back and listen to the Siddur snippets we did on them, on the Birchas Hashachar. So one of those brachas is, Hashem is zokef kifufim. What does that mean? Zokef means to make upright. And kifufim means those who are bent over. And when we say this bracha, we mean it both literally and figuratively. There are people who have physical ailments, they're bent over, they're hunched over, they're struggling to stand upright. Physically, it's difficult, it's painful, it's hard to walk, and they're not mobile, and it's hard to get anywhere. And we say Hashem has the ability to make the person who's in pain or hunched over to be able to make them upright. But it also means metaphysically. There are people who emotionally are bent over, emotionally are hunched over, emotionally are on the verge of collapse. But Hashem is zokev kifufim. He takes the person who's emotionally broken and emotionally collapsing, and he's zokev. He lifts that person up, and they stand upright. So every time we bow at Shemona Esrei, we bow at Baruch Atah, but we stand up at Hashem. Why? To remember, Lizkor, Hashem is zokev kifufim. I bow and I say, Hashem, I'm nothing. I'm gornished with humility and with brokenness. I'm unworthy. I'm inadequate. I'm gornished. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. And then we remember, you know, I'm not nothing. I'm a prince or a princess. I'm a child of Hashem. He believes in me. I'm a tzelem alakim. If I'm here, then I am worthy and I have something to accomplish. And who lifts me up and who supports me and who gives me the confidence to put one foot in front of the other? And no matter what I'm struggling with, no matter what I'm confronting, no matter what I'm suffering with, no matter what I just endured, that I can persevere and stand upright again, 
It's Hashem who's Zokev Kefufim. It's Hashem who's Zokev Kefufim. He makes us stand upright. Without the help of Hashem, we cannot do it. We cannot do it. I just visited someone, another, not, not immediately a member of our community, related to a member of our community that I know for a very, very long time. I was in yeshiva with another young person who's suffering terribly, 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 terribly. So undeserving. And who are we to say that to Hashem? I'll say it to Hashem. I know it, and it's undeserving, and we don't understand the ways of Hashem. And He is suffering terribly. He's such a sad, and the, the, the anguish, the pain, the, the suffering of the treatment that He's going through, and unfortunately, the condition that He's in. But His Amuna, like others that we know and love, and loved, was, is incredibly strong. So He said to me, you know, this is a gzeira min Hashemayim. I don't understand why Hashem is, it's a gzeira. I don't understand it. But He says to me, with no energy and, and totally weak and weakened, you know, we say in our davening, Baruch Gozer Umikayim. That Hashem sometimes goes there. And we don't understand why He's goes there, but He's goes there. He's goes there for us to lose all our money or lose our house or lose our job. He's goes there for us to not have nachas from our children. He's goes there for us to uh, have a health challenge. He's goes there for us for our relationship to, to desire. We don't understand why He's goes there. But He's also Mikayim. After he goes there, after for whatever reason that we don't understand, we had to confront some gzeira, some challenge, he's mekayim. He still gives us the wherewithal. He strengthens us to persevere and endure and somehow face whatever we're facing and somehow be able to break through. So what is davening, says Ravolbi? It is an exercise in humility. When I daven, what I say is, you know, I'm going out to the boardroom, and I'm going out to the court, and I'm going out to the surgery center, and I'm going out to wherever I do my business and however I make my living, and when I'm there, I'm going to bring an attitude that it all depends on me. I'm going to try to kill it in business. I'm going to give it my all, and I'm going to work hard as if it all depends on me. But when I walk into that davening three times a day, I bow and I say, Hashem, I'm garnished without you. You're the one who guides my hand, or you guide my mouth, or you guide my feet, or you guide my brain and my heart, and whatever I choose to invest in and work hard on, wherever I do, its success is utterly dependent on you. And that's the middle 13 of our brachos. The first three, we understand who Hashem is and the difference between us and Him. And the last three is our gratitude, which we're going to get to momentarily. But those middle 13, our rabbis, the Anshaykinah Sagadola, they identified for all time, and in all places in perpetuity, they identified 13 things that universally we all need. And what are they? We need wisdom, and we need health, and we need livelihood, and we need justice, and we need redemption. And then Shema Koleinu, whatever they didn't identify and whatever they didn't write a bracha for, no problem, put it in Shema Koleinu. They didn't think of something in the first 12, put it in Shema Koleinu. But they created a template. Every Jew universally speaks to what we need. And three times a day, says Ravoba, we come before Hashem and we bow. We literally bow in the Amidah. And the whole, you know, the Rambam writes, there are people who have the minute to shuckle. And that's perfectly okay. Some people get into a rhythm. That's how they find kavana. That's what they do is they shuckle. But the Rambam says that's not the posture of davening. The posture of davening is to actually stand still, to be your head looking towards the ground and, and hunched over a little, not hunched over is the negative connotation, but to be bent over a little bit, your right hand on top of your left hand over your heart, and that's the way to daven. Because if you came before someone from whom you needed an extraordinary help, you came before the manager of the bank that you really need that loan, the doctor who you're begging to give you an appointment or to do that, that surgery, you come with a little bent over, your hand in, over your heart, and you say, please, I'm humbled. 
I'm nothing. I need you. I'm dependent on you. I can't do it without you. And the Rambam writes, that's the posture of tefillah. Not wildly gyrating and shuckling and screaming. And, you know, that's not the posture. Again, I'm not being critical of it. But for the Rambam, that's not the posture of tefillah. The posture of tefillah is your right hand over your left hand over your heart and a little bit bowed over with a sense of humility and submission. Hashem, yeah, when I walk into the boardroom, oh, I arch my back and I stand upright and my chin is high and I walk in and I demand respect and I'm going to negotiate a deal and I'm going to kill it in business. When I walk into the operating room, I have confidence. When I walk into that courtroom, I have confidence. But you know, when I come before Hashem, I'm like a little child. I'm bent over. I say, Mommy, Daddy, please. I need your help. I can't do it without you. That's the posture. So the Amida, three times a day, we start our day with humility. The Amincha in the middle of the day, we stop and we say, whoa, I thought I can control things. I'm manipulating things. I thought I'm in charge. Stop. I'm a gornished. I need you. I can't do it without you. Please help me. And we end our day marv with the same thing. And he writes, Says Ravoba, this is really important to teach young people. That the davening is not just lip service, you're not just putting a check next to the fact that you davened, but davening is an exercise in humility, in submission, in a statement that I am dependent. Young people want to feel independent. I don't need nobody, I don't need nothing, I'm independent, I can do it. By the way, mom and dad, can I have the credit card and some cash, and can you pay for everything in my life, and you know, and so on and so forth. So, uh, okay, we won't go there, but anyway, so... Young children, particularly today, want to feel independent and pride. I don't need anyone, and I have a daya, I have an opinion on everything, and no one should tell me what to do, who I am, or who I'm going to be. We need to remember, no. Hachna. You got to bend over, and with humility, lean in, and say, Hashem, I'm nothing without you. And where do you see this most? Not in those 13 middle brachos. Where do we bow down at the end of the Amida with? Modim. Shikula has batlas labore. What is Modim. Modem is hoda, modeh. It is toda. It is gratitude. Modem is at the end of the Amidah, the three brachas of gratitude. And we bow at modem anachnulach. God, we are grateful to you. It's his spotless. I am nullifying myself. And I realize that, you know what? I got a good result from the doctor. I got a good result in my investment. I had nachas moment from my child. I'm blessed to be alive today. Modem anachnulach. It's not because of me. It's only because of you. It's only because of you. It's batless. We are grateful to God. How? Through submission to Him. Through submission to Him. You know, what kind of a thank you would it be to you? You know, if you, if you did something for someone, imagine you saved someone's life or you bailed them out or they were only able to survive because of you. And they come and they say, you know, really, I'm the one who saved my life, but thank you for whatever, you know. What kind of gratitude would that be? It's the person who... who comes to you with some sense of humility and says, I could not have gotten through that without you. The deepest, most profound sense of gratitude is the person who really realizes they couldn't have gotten through without you. And that's how we show HaKadosh And we should pay special attention when we say these words at the end of davening, for our lives, which are given over to you in your hand, in your hand. We're up to Asher in Siddur snippets. And what makes Ashrei so special, wow, tongue twister, what makes Ashrei so special, the Gemara says is, it includes the sentence, Poseach es yadecha. Hashem, you open your hand. It's the same word, achayenu ha-mesurim biyadecha. Bofen tevim argishim kebiyacho shasinu es atzmenu. Naturally, a person wants to think, I made, I'm a self-made man, I'm a self-made woman. 
I'm the one who went through this education and took on this career and built this family. I'm the one who works out every day and eats this healthy lifestyle. Who I am, what I look like, how I think, what I've achieved, my bank account and portfolio, it's me. That's the natural temptation. But a person who contemplates and thinks about it will feel and realize, you know, my whole life and everything in it is Mesurim Biyado Yisbarach. It's given over to Hashem. You know when you think that? You know when you feel that? When something's missing. When you tear your Achilles and you can't make it across a room, you can't carry a cup of coffee. Chas v'shalom, a person has a catheter, they can't, the simple, most base animal act of relieving yourself, you can't do in a healthy way. When a person, when a person loses a certain faculty, a memory starts to go, or that of someone around us that we love, we realize, ha-mesurim my life is in your hands. How many brilliant accomplished, it's, it's one of the most tragic things, or is dementia, Alzheimer's, memory loss that we're seeing in our, in our time, it's so tragic person is, is, they're a broken vessel. This individual who knew Shas and was a Rosh Hashiva and spoke to thousands, this individual who was an executive and managed and brilliant and accomplished, this individual who was a Balmidos and loved their family, and now they, they don't even know their own name. They're a broken vessel. It's the saddest thing. It's the saddest thing in the world. So when we encounter that, there's two reactions we can have. Of course we should feel pity and Rachmanas, and of course we feel bewilderment and wonder why we don't understand it. But one of the feelings and reactions we also should have is, wow, am I lucky. My life is given over to God. And I shouldn't take it for granted, not for one moment. If we have parents, if we have people around us who are of an age that their, their memory is still working, it's still faculties are still functioning, they're able to live, that's not a given. There's nothing that's a given. It's for our lives, that are mesurim biyadecha, that are given over to you. The miracles that are with us every day, and the wonders and your goodness, in every moment. Miracles? Miracles and wonders at every moment? What are you talking about? Where are the miracles? Where are the wonders? I woke up, I went to work, I worked out, I went to my 17 doctor's appointments, I took my 14 medicines, I went to sleep, I survived the day of Where's the Nisim Veniflos? Where are the miracles? Bechol in every moment? What are you talking about? So says Ravoba, you know what our job is? Our job is every day to live a reflective life, where every day I'm looking for and seeing and saying thank you for the miracles. That are involved in our life every single day. Every single day. Every single day. The miracles. I had to drive home from a meeting last night in, near uh, Aventura, and I was extremely exhausted, and nobody gave me feedback and worry about me and tell me I need more sleep. I know it. I was exhausted, and let's just say there were a couple of moments driving home that could have gone a very different way because I was really tired and falling asleep, and maybe even more. And I, I came home with the big anlisecham, the vosecha shebuchol eisimanu. It's mamash a miracle. It was irresponsible. I should pull over sleep. I got it. It's a good thing Yechev is not here. Please don't tell her. But I'm just saying, I'm just telling you that... So you could say like, wow, thank God I was able to, I, I survived. I, I didn't fall asleep at the wheel and I made it home alive. Or you could say that's a moment in a day that it was filled with countless moments that is filled with your goodness, your kindness, and your miracles. And that happens in our day 
in a million and one different directions that could go different ways. The near miss with the car, the person who went through the yellow light, it happened with the, forget the miracle like life and death. I'm giving extreme examples of life and death. I'm not talking about extreme examples of life and death. I'm talking about on the flow By the way, if you drive in a car, that's a nace. Forget the fact that maybe you have a self-driving car. That's like a super nice. I'm saying we're living like George Jetsons, you know, like the things that we watched as kids is no longer the future. That's now like the old past. That's the, you ever been to Disney or Epcot? One of them has that whole wheel of the future. What's that thing called? Carousel of Progress. Carousel of Progress, which there's still like, the Carousel of Progress is still depicting a time in like 400 years where you'll be able to speak to someone and see their picture at the same time on TV. The carousel of regress. It's the carousel of like 25 years ago. It's time to upgrade that, that ride. So, so I'm saying, well, we once went on rides and we were like, no way. I think they have in there where you could turn your oven on, like digitally. So I'm telling you, you can now, in, in the Smichas Chaver, in the shir I give on Sunday mornings, where we're learning about Pas Akam and Bishal Akam, someone said, you know, on my phone, I have an app, I could turn the oven on. So if I am halfway around the world and I turn my oven on, but the non puts the food in, is that bishalakim, is it not bishalakim? Whoever thought, like the Shulchan Aruch didn't address that question. <laughs> you're in Singapore, you're in China, you're in India, you're around the world, you're in South of the South of Africa, Australia, but on your app you set the oven to 350 and then the housekeeper puts the food in. Is that bishalakim? We're living in al nisech of yal secha. What? Okay, smichas chaver. So we're living, we're, we're living, we're living in s- miraculous, supernatural times. Yeah. Insane times. Someone just told me about a project that they developed uh, in, in South of us in Florida, big apartment buildings, and they built on the rooftop. They built, because they understood we're gonna have it now. They built on the roof, not a landing pad, but like a little runway for flying cars. Because if you're building a building today in 2019, you have to build that building because soon there's gonna be flying cars. So your Tesla won't only drive you where you told it to take you, then it will park you on the rooftop and you can <laughs> circumvent all the traffic. Why am I, again, I'm telling you that today's, what, what is ordinary today is yesterday's miracle. So you could live life and say, yeah, it's ordinary, it's Gornish, it's nothing. Or you live life and you say, these are miracles, it's insane. <laughs> Such a recognition identifying, I survived a drive on 95. By the way, if I were wide awake, it's a miracle to survive a drive on 95, <laughs> let alone you're falling asleep. <laughs> it is an enormous step, enormous step in the pursuit of living with Emuna is living a reflective life, a mindful life, where you see the goodness and the kindness and the daily miracles, and you say, wow, Hashem, that's unbelievable that you made a Kerrig machine. And I have instant real coffee, and that's a what a miracle. Every cup of coffee is a miracle. It's a miracle. These little, small, seemingly insignificant and ordinary are truly extraordinary. And if we live life not in black and white, not in color, but in high definition, the goodness, it's in every moment all around us and at all times. It's unbelievable. So in this bracha of modem, that we bow, modem, Hashem, I'm bowing to you. Imagine, if I really were saying thank you for all the things that I have every day, the, my three amidas a day would take me the entire day. If the modem was, and the cell phone, and thank you for the car, and thank you for this miracle, and thank you for the hearing aid, and thank you for the, there's a mirror, the miracles, the lights, indoor plumbing, air conditioning. Thank you. You know when you appreciate the air conditioning? When the power goes out. Yeah. You know when you appreciate the indoor plumbing? In the hurricane, when there's no water, you fill your bathtub. Wow, it's a miracle. 
don't tell me it's not a miracle. You know, you know it's a miracle? If I told you, go design a world with indoor plumbing. Like, why does the water run down? How does it work? How does it come up and out of the sink? And the hot and the cold? It's a miracle. I understand there's engineers, and I understand we can explain it all, but that we are designed to be able to create that. We're engineered to engineer this world and this life. And how blessed and fortunate are we that we're living in this 21st century and that we were not living a thousand or two thousand or five hundred years ago. We wouldn't have known better, of course, but we can appreciate it doesn't take a horse and buggy and seven weeks to get from here to the beach. You know, how blessed are we? These are two sides of one coin. The great said about the Haggadah the following vort. I know it's, uh, we're still in the month of Av, but I'll give you a Dvar Torah for Pesach. We say in the Haggadah, We are therefore obligated to say thank you for the one who did for our forefathers, and us, all of these miracles. That's the bracha that we say before the second cup in the Haggadah. We say this bracha in the Haggadah. Therefore, this is the halal that goes into this bracha. Therefore, we have to thank you. Who are we thanking? Here's a hint. Revolver bolded the word for us. Lemi, for the one who did these miracles. Ask Revolver, Madua Amar Balasha Nistar. Lemi Sha'asa. Velo Gilalanu Mihu. What's with the mystery all of a sudden? Therefore, we must express gratitude for whoever it is that did these miracles. What's with the mystery? What's with pretending we don't know who did it? Why don't we say we therefore have to express gratitude to Hashem for the miracles that He's done? Because the most part, important thing about Hakar Satov of gratitude is to recognize that there's something to be grateful for. In fact, those are the words. We don't call it Hoda'a. We call it hakaras hatov. The word hakara means to recognize. Hatov means the good. Saying thank you begins with realizing there's something to say thank you for. First, you have to recognize the good, and then you can feel gratitude for it. If you're not a personality who's makir tov, you won't even see that there's a good that happened. You know, sometimes you hold the door for someone, they walk right through it, they don't even say thank you. Because if you're not a person who notices someone does something nice for you, you're not going to say thank you. You have to see someone did something good. So said Rav Yerucham, why does it say, We specifically describe it mysteriously so that we'll go on the search mission and say, okay, let's start with this. The first thing I do is realize that, wow, something really good happened to me. And then I say, who did that good thing? I need to say thank you. So if I'm a grateful person who lives with gratitude and sees the good that I need to feel grateful for, I will be driven to have amuna. If I see good and I feel gratitude, I'm going to try to find the person that I need to say thank you to. So it's kind of counterintuitive. It's not that if I have a lot of amuna, then I say thank you, but rather if I train myself to say thank you, it will lead me to amuna to see Hashem in my life. So if I say, you know, I'm not just going to take for granted and go to sleep every night and take for granted that my day had it what it had in it. Every night I'm going to sit and recount with my family or by myself or in a journal. I'm going to think about the good things that happen. And then you can't help but when you review or read what you just said, all the good things that happen, you're going to say, wow, where, where did that all come from? Who provided that? Who gave me that? You're going to find Hashem. So what we find is the biggest obstacle to, to faith 
is arrogance. So Ravoba says we have we have one character trait which reinforces and grows emuna. We have one character trait which is the biggest obstacle to emuna. Guy the arrogance, the ego, the I, the honor that gets in the way of a relationship with Hashem. But an attitude of gratitude to look for and to see and to say thank you for the incredible gifts in my life every day. That will lead me on a path towards finding Hashem. Which brings me to the other handout. Let's look out for two more minutes to conclude. The other handout includes here, on the bottom of the right-hand column, from Sefer Charedim, Rabbi Elazar Azkari, the author of Yedid Nefesh, that we say on Friday night. The Sefer Charedim. So in his Sefer Charedim, he has the following. It's connected to this week's Parsha, and it's connected to what we just read. So I'll give you a Dvar Torah for the, part, for the, Seder, for the uh, Shabbos table. Mala zichron chasadov yizborach v'izboni behem mitzvah To remember the good that Hashem does for you and to think about them is in itself a mitzvah. It's not just like a nice thing, a righteous thing. If you go to the Amunashir, you should do that kind of thing. It's a mitzvah. There's a mitzvah every day to stop and say, wow, he did this, that, and the other. Wow, electricity. Wow, indoor plumbing. Wow, a roof over my head. Wow, a car. Wow, a cell phone. Wow, my faculties work. Wow. And where do you see it's a mitzvah? Parsha Zekiv, our Parsha. Shenemar, state in the Parsha, v'zachart is called derech ha-shalich ha-shem lo-kecha, ze'ar ba'im shana ba-midbar. Remember, says Moshe to the Jewish people. He's standing there at the end of their 40-year travels. They're on the cusp of entering the land. And he says to them, listen, listen, you people who previously have been ungrateful and incorrigible. Listen, you need to v'zachart to remember the whole way that Hashem took you for 40 years. V'yachil ches haman. Remember the bread, the stuff that fell from the heaven? You didn't work? You didn't have to collect a paycheck? You didn't have to shop and cook? Wow. You didn't have to fight? Should we have milk or fleshics? <laughs> remember, 40 years, looking back on these 40 years, Moshe tells them, remember, your clothing never got old, yeah. never went out of style, and never wore out. Your shoes, they never got old, they never wore out. All of a sudden, the Pasha, Moshe, in his speech, is not telling them, don't forget to finish Shas and don't forget to do Chesed. He says, don't forget to look at the good in your life and say thank you to Hashem. If we are still obligated to remember the good he did for us back then, for the 40 years in the desert, all the more so, we have to reflect on and be grateful for the good he's doing for us today in our lives. The Sefer Charedim says, remember the miracle. Uh, once a week you read about how the idea foiled a plot of Hamas or Hezbollah, a suicide bombing, a tunnel attack. Remember, Kodesh Baruch Hu foils the, the, these two Machashefas, uh, these two Kodesh Baruch Hu who want to boycott and isolate Israel and hurt her. Mir they'll be knocked out of office, never re-elected, never heard from again. They'll disappear into the dust of history with the Persians and the Romans and the countless others who persecuted, oppressed, and tried to destroy us. And here we still are. So if you feel you don't have to have any chassat, you don't have to say thank you to Hashem. How many have tried to annihilate and exterminate us? And here we are. That doesn't mean you can let our guard down. Of course, we have to confront them and bow them. But it means that if we're remembering the past, then we should think about the miracles of the present of every day. And to remember the good Hashem done with us from the moment that we were created in our mother's womb. And then we'll be humbled. Immediately we'll be humbled. And we will strive to be our best selves yet. This is the entry of the Sefer Charedim. So I come back to what we mentioned several weeks ago and close with this. 
maybe even doing your homework, likely you have not, but of keeping a Hashkacha Pratish journal. You could start a WhatsApp group for your family. You could have a pad and pen that you carry around with you. You could write it in the notes section or Evernote on your phone. But every day to write something down, to not go to sleep without reflecting on your day and saying, where was Hashem in my life? Where is the nisach of the niflosach? Where are the miracles for which I should be grateful today? Because every one of us have those miracles. No matter how hard a day we face, and there are people in this room and outside of it who are facing unfathomable hard days that, that are miracle to be able to get through. But even on those days, even on our worst day, there are things to be grateful for. There are things to be grateful for, but we have to look for them. And when we look for them and we feel gratitude, then we're going to look for the one who gave us those good things, and we'll be able to feel a greater sense of emuna. So please continue your Hashkacha journal, and make sure to write in it. Mirza Hashem will continue next week.